Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. He says, you have a little strength. You have just, what you have is good, but it's very little. And God can do a lot with very little. In fact, this church was a small church, but they had a big God. They had a big God, and He can do big and great things. You know, is your God small, or is He big? You know, when we pray, do you pray the small prayers like, and there's nothing wrong with small prayers, okay? God can handle the small prayers, the intermediate prayers, the things that seem really impossible. But let me suggest to you that if we keep our prayer to the realm of the things that we can manage, our prayer and our God is small. Welcome to Truth in Christ Radio and our Bible study for today. Jesus tells the church at Philadelphia, For you have a little strength. The term a little strength does not imply weakness, but real strength. They were weak enough to be strong in the Lord. We can be too strong or too big or too sure of ourselves for God to really use us. The church in Philadelphia had the poverty of spirit to know they really needed God's strength. The Apostle Paul was a great example of this dynamic of weakness and strength. God's strength was made evident in his weaknesses. Lord, we thank you that when we are weak, you are strong. Now let's join Pastor Rob. Beginning for the sake of time, start beginning in verse 27. Jesus is speaking that about his sheep, you and I, and that there's nothing that can take us from his hand. There's nothing that can take us out of his hand. And that's an encouraging thought. I don't know how you feel, but to me, I'm very encouraged with that thought. Notice what he says in verse 27. He says, Jesus says, my sheep, they hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Just as, you know, David was a great shepherd and he would speak to his sheep. And I've seen this myself in in Bethlehem uh, many years ago and uh, even recently. I mean, the, 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 the... the shepherd uh, would speak. He would just mention, he even maybe just make a noise with his mouth and the sheep know that voice. They know that sound and they know what it means and they follow the shepherd. It's wonderful to see. And yet we are God's sheep, right? He says, my sheep hear my voice, verse 27, and I know them and they follow me. And notice, and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, never perish. Now, some of us may die physically, but we'll never perish spiritually. We're never going to be in that place of eternal torment. But those who hear him, he gives eternal life, and they shall never perish because we'll be with him. And neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Notice that. No one. No one. Because when God opens, he opens, and no one can shut. And when he shuts, nobody can open it again. And so it is with us as well. You know, when he calls us, it is a... It is a promise that He gives. He does not take it away. You can't lose your salvation once you receive it. Once you're a child of God, you are always a child of God. 
And so that is something that is uh, significant. But notice, let me read it again. John 10, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Did you hear that? That's a glorious promise. And I love the fact that once you're in Christ, there's no one that can take you out of His hand. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 34, speaking of this idea of the Lord, and it's really about uh, faithfulness. You know, I've set before you an open door. An open door is an opportunity. It's, it's, um, certainly it's an invitation, but it also speaks of an opportunity and opportunities. Notice what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 34, 35, I'm sorry. He says, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, Jesus speaking to his disciples. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, notice, he knocks, and he's knocking because there's a door. So he's knocking on the door, that when he knocks, they may open to him, what? Immediately. Not next week, not delayed, but immediately. And he says in verse 37, Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, shall find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also, and he's speaking to us too, be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And then Peter said, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And Jesus said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will make him ruler over all that he has. And again, this speaks of stewardship, right? Of responsibilities, of opportunities to minister. And when Jesus opens a door, that's also what it is. There's an opportunity here. And Jesus goes on here, verse 44. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delayed is delaying his coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come in a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware. And I will cut him in two and point him, appoint him his portion with the unbelievers and that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes." But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. And here it is. For every one to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to him who has been committed, of him they will ask the more. And so this speaks of opportunities, opportunities that we have. And you know, when we look at this verse, when Jesus uh, says, bear with me here, in verse 8, he says, I will set before you an open door. You know, if we compare or contrast this with what we're going to talk about next week, and let me just give you a, a, a brief sneak preview of that. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 19, Jesus is speaking to the church at Laodicea, a church that is, wasn't doing well at all. They were lukewarm. Instead of being hot or cold, they were lukewarm. 
And Jesus said to them, he says in verse 19, As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. And behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And the, the question you have to ask yourself is, is why does the Lord have to knock? If he, if, if, and Jesus, remember, is given this church of Philadelphia an open door. The door is open for them. But yet when Jesus comes to the church at Laodicea, he's got a knock. He's got a knock on the door. And the door should have been wide open for the Lord, too, to come into that church and to breathe life into it and to give it every opportunity that it needed to grow. And, you know, some people in churches are like that. You know, they have, they have uh, programs and they have everything uh, all the ministries nicely done, and everything is a, a well-oiled machine. And there's nothing wrong with uh, being uh, ready and being prepared and doing well. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that is all you have, you know, there's something wrong. And so Jesus opens the door. And, you know, are you open to the Lord? Are, is your heart of your, the door of your heart, is it open? That, that's a question you have to ask. Or is, am I just closed off? Is, is my heart just closed off? And you know, the, this age that we live in, it has a way of really making us jaded. It has a way of making us um, numb. It has a way of desensitizing us. In, in all of our movies and entertainment, no, nobody, unless there's like 45 minutes of violence, you know, most people are like, oh, hum. <laughs> you know, uh, in, in order for any movie creator to create uh, a sensation and for a movie to be a big hit there's got to be it's it's got to be special effects and action from beginning to end or people just walk out you know and we become desensitized but the thing is is are you open to the lord amongst all that callousness that is being brought upon us are you willing to open the door of your heart you know and have you uh, what doors even has the lord opened to you as far as opportunities even you know when he gives you an opportunity uh, have you walked through that opportunity? Have you taken advantage of that opportunity? Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 said this in verse 9. He says, For a great, or, or let me back up to verse 8. He says, But I will tarry, or I will, I will wait in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And so Paul is speaking about opportunity, you know, and there are many opportunities that I've had in my life that I wish I could go back and change. Things that I know that God had given me opportunity. But you know what? There are some opportunities. Isn't this true of life? There are some things that you'll get, to, you'll get an opportunity to do again. The opportunity will present itself. Uh, the, the opportunity. And, and other times, sometimes an opportunity may only come once in a lifetime. Once in a lifetime. And so we need to be careful about that. And, and, and to, you know, thank God that we have... 365 days in a year, and most of us had many years. And so that, that, that's really good odds for us to get our heart right with the Lord and to make the most important decision, right? But even opportunities that we have in daily life, are you taking advantage of those things? As a Christian, do you know when they come? Or is it just all about you? Is it all about what we want and my desire, what I want to accomplish today? You know, a good thing to do is to start the day off and say, Lord, what is your will for my life today? Whether I understand it, whether I like it or not, Lord, you guide and protect, and, or guide and direct, I'm sorry, my day. That is what a servant does. That is what a servant does. A servant says to his master, what would you have me to do? And 
when I create my own job and I say this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, then that's all I've got. But when I, if I'm a servant of God, I've got to bring my heart before him and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? I am yours. And so notice in verse 8 he says, you have a little strength. You have a little strength. See, God doesn't need a big church. He doesn't need somebody who has a lot of faith. There are very few people on the earth that have great faith. (laughs) I don't know how much faith I have, but I would imagine it's very small. I don't really know. Only God knows the measure of my faith and yours as well. But God doesn't need a big church. He says, you have a little strength. You have just what you have is good, but it's very little. And God can do a lot with very little. In fact, this church was a small church, but they had a big God. They had a big God, and he can do big and great things. You know, is your God small or is he big? You know, when we pray, do you pray the small prayers like, and there's nothing wrong with small prayers, okay? God can handle the small prayers, the intermediate prayers, the things that seem really impossible. But let me suggest to you that if we keep our prayers, to the realm of the things that we can manage, our prayer and our God is small. And again, nothing wrong with praying for those things, but have you prayed the impossible? Have you prayed the impossible? Don't be afraid to pray the impossible. There have been times in my life where beyond my understanding, I just said, Lord, I need your help. I can't do this. And the Lord provided in ways that I couldn't even imagine. I didn't even have the opportunity to go tell somebody. You know, it wasn't like I, I, I broadcasted a need and then there were three people who came and said, oh, the Lord put this on my heart to give this to you. No, this was stuff that I prayed quietly and the Lord did things. And, and many of you have experienced this yourself. But do we have a big God? Are, are we content with just praying our, these small things? And again, can Continue to pray for those those things because they're real, they're genuine. But don't be afraid, don't be um, intimidated by the impossible. And that really determines how big our God really is. When we just pray in, in this area where we're nice and comfortable, God can meet you there, and He does. But don't be afraid to pray the impossible. Pray the big things and see what He does. Because as soon as you start doing that, you're, you're, you're basically getting out of the way completely. Because some things we can pray for, and you know, we might even have the ability to make change ourselves. But when you pray the impossible and you say, Lord, I have no resources here. I cannot do this. I can't change this person. I, can't, I don't even know how to get out of the situation that I'm in. Well, that's a great time to pray because the impossible lies at your feet. Do I pray the impossible things? Or do I have a small God Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, actually Hebrews 11 verse 6, let me just read it to you. The writer of Hebrews says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. It's impossible to please God without faith. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, that He is God, in other words, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Though He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. I want to diligently seek the Lord, don't you? Because I want to be... I want God's rewards, whatever He has. You know, there are certain things that people like in the world, and, and there's nothing wrong with that per se. But the thing I really want are the things that nobody can take away from me. The things that I really desire are the things that really bring peace to my heart and to my family. The things that I really want are, are dividends in the bank in heaven, not so much the, the things that I have here. And not, not that those things are bad, do you understand? But 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 it's 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 a it's an idea of perspective and where my hope and my treasure really lies. 
Everything that I own, everything that's in my life is going to burn one day, and, and I'm not going to have any of it. So why would I spend my whole life just simply amassing things for me? <laughs> I better be building treasure in heaven as well. Again, there's nothing wrong with things as long as they don't own you. If you own them, praise the Lord. But when they begin to own you and they start uh, dictating the way you think and how you act and what you do to protect them, then you've got some, some thinking to do, right? Jesus said in Matthew 17, he says, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. He also said in Matthew 21, verse 21, he says, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to this fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. Now, Jesus isn't uh, obviously saying for us to be going around throwing mountains in the water, okay? But he's saying if you just had a little bit and you were doing things according to the will of God, and you're asking and believing and praying in faith in the will of God, <laughs> then God can do the impossible. If it's necessary for a mountain to be removed in, and thrown into the ocean, then God can and will do that if that's what's needed to get you from where you are to where you need to be. He did that with the children of Israel, didn't he? As the Egyptians were chasing them out of Egypt, remember that night? And there they are, hemmed in the desert, and before them was the, de- the Red Sea, and behind them was chariots of, 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 of Pharaoh coming. And they were surrounded, and they had the water right in front of them. Believe me, this is a prayer that is significant because there was no way out. The, the, the children of Israel, they had nothing to do. They were going to be slaughtered by these um, chariots and these armed men. But what did, what did God tell Moses to do? He just said, Moses, don't freak out. Stop whining. Stand here and put out that rod, and I'll do the rest. And he, was simply, he simply obeyed God, and you know what happened. And there's evidence of this today. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of evidence. I won't go into that now, but the, the, the Red Sea parted. There was water on both sides, and those people, over 2.5 million people, went across on dry land. And then you remember what happened. Pharaoh and his armies came afterward and God closed the water and consumed and destroyed Pharaoh and his army. And that's what happened. That's an impossibility. That's the kind of thing that you pray about. <laughs> and there, I mean, don't be afraid to pray the impossible is what I'm saying. Again, okay to pray for small things, but don't be afraid to pray for the big things. How big is your God? How big is He? I serve a big God. Do you serve a big God? I don't want to serve a small God. Because if he's a small God, he's not worth serving at all. But because we serve the one who spoke all things into existence, the very ground, the very chair that you're sitting in right now was something that God formed from the elements of the earth. And man just took those materials and formed it into a chair. But yet all those materials belonged to him. He's the one who created it. Notice in verse 8 he says, And you've also, not only do you have a little strength, but you've kept my word. You've guarded it. You've watched it. You've observed it. And notice also you have not denied my name. You know, you think about all the things that God has done for us. And for me to deny his name is like a slap in the face, isn't it? But he says, And you have not denied my name. You know, I love that song by Chris Tomlin. It says, How can I keep from singing your praise? It was, it's the song that we have on our radio program at 6.30 uh, weekdays here. And it's one of my favorite songs because how can I keep from singing your praise, Lord? How can I keep from singing when you have done all that you've done? 
Even if I had nothing on this earth, but I had the assurance of salvation, that would be enough because my life, your life, 80, 90 years, maybe 100 years if you're really doing well, but that's it. And then eternity, folks. That 80, 90, 100 years is going to seem like a, it's going to be like a, a vapor compared to eternity. So how can I keep from singing your praise, Lord? How can I keep from singing your praise? In Matthew 10, verse 32, notice, you've not denied my name. Jesus spoke to his disciples in Matthew 10, verse 32. He says, therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I also will confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. And so we see that we ought not to deny the Lord ought not to deny them. And that ought to affect our evangelization, our evangelism, and reaching out to others. You know, are you afraid to speak to somebody? Now, granted, in the world we live in now, you know, very few people want to talk about that subject. But it's the one thing that we have to be willing to talk about. And when you have an open door, when somebody is there telling you and pouring their heart out to you how they're scared about the coronavirus, or they're scared about losing their job, or scared about losing their life, that is an open door, folks. Do you see? That's an opportunity that God has allowed for us to walk in that door, that opportunity. And don't deny the Lord. Speak the truth in love. We have to tell them the truth. And the truth sometimes hurts, right? Because the truth is, the, the, the truth is, is that I'm a sinner. I need salvation. I need someone to save me. And Jesus is the only one who could. God in the flesh. He died in my place. I love what, what Paul said, the Apostle Paul. In Romans chapter 1, what did he say in verse 16? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. I need to be careful to not deny his name. And Jesus is saying to this church at Philadelphia, you have a little strength and you have not denied my name. Jesus' name is so important. Jesus is so important, his name. He goes, because, verse 10, you have kept my command to persevere. Oh, I skipped a verse. I'm sorry. Let's go back to verse 9. He says, indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Uh, Just as we saw in the church of Smyrna in that letter in chapter 2, the same is true here. There was a group of Jewish people who lived in that town of Philadelphia, and they claimed to know God, but they were actually opposed to Him. And they were actually one of the main instigators, the main persecutors of the church at that time. And instead of listening to God, who they claimed to know, they were actually giving in to the devil. And that's really what it is. And so Jesus calls it the synagogue of Satan. You know, it should have been the synagogue of Philadelphia where Jewish people believed and, and they believed in the Lord and they embraced the Christians because the, all of the scriptures were about Jesus. Didn't Jesus say that? In the volume of the book it is written of me. In the volume of the book, the whole Bible, it's written about him. You look on it and it, it all speaks of him. It's all about his plan of redemption. It's all there for us. But they were the synagogue of Satan and they, they didn't have the faith in their heart Uh, in God at all. They were more interested in the rules and the regulations. Now, does that make us angry with the Jews? And No, we shouldn't be angry with them. They, they, just like Gentiles, need a Savior. They need salvation through Christ. They need it just as we need it. So there is no difference. But Jesus 
spoke to them that they were of the synagogue of Satan. Verse 10, because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcasts. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.